I'm Dylan, and join me as we look back on the rich history of doom metal and its sister sounds based on the recounted tales of its followers. Every week, we'll have a different guest to spin their yarn. You can visit the website at diaryofdoom.com, follow us on Instagram, like us on Facebook, follow the podcast on diaryofdoom.podbean.com, and subscribe and listen to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and wherever else you may get your podcast from. If you have a question or whatever, you can fire off an email to diaryofdoom1968 at gmail.com. And we also have a Patreon that you can support for additional episodes and whatnot. You can find that over at patreon.com slash diaryofdoom. Uh, joining us for this week's chapter is Jeff Savidra. Did I say that right? Mm, Savidra. I mean, it depends on who you ask. But... <laughs> we'll go with Jeff if it's just easier. Yeah. Jeff's fine. Uh, he's the one-man wrecking crew behind uh, the stoner rock band uh, Titanosaur, based out of Hudson, New York. And uh, so, welcome on to welcome onto the podcast. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. You have uh, f- four or five albums out now to your name. Well, uh, five albums, one EP. Yeah, five albums, one EP. Oh, well, I guess four albums, one EP. Sorry. And uh, and with one out this year. But you've, uh, you know, when you reached out to me, you, get, you told me a little bit about yourself and uh, you've been active uh, alongside music for a while. So, you know, before all of this, you know, what are what were your earliest experiences with music? Did you come, did you have a musical upbringing or was it something that you found on your own? M- musical upbringing, I guess. Um, I grew up uh, a single mother in the 70s, 80s in Queens. So we lived in my grandmother's house with my uh, two uncles. My mom was only 18 when she had me. So my uncles were only 14 and 15 years older than me. So I grew up with their collection of records. Mm -hmm. And that's how I discovered music. And um, specifically listening to, like hearing, I remember hearing Queen's Brighton Rock and the way that uh, in, in the guitar, there's a break in the song and you hear the guitar, you know, he uses this, Brian May uses a, a stereo field uh, from one speaker to the other speaker and then back and forth and that just thrilled me and uh, that really caught my attention as far as wanting to make something like that Uh, so that's how I got into music was just uh, having their record collection Um, Sex Pistols, Black Sabbath Talking Heads, Ramones Run DMC the whole gamut of genres Um, so that's where it began um, and then, uh, yeah, my mother gave me an acoustic guitar when I was about 12. And that didn't really stick until I got uh, an electric guitar, which I still use today. Um, and uh, yeah, I've been making music ever since. That's pretty cool that you got the chance to kind of, you know, experience that stuff from like an early age and whatnot. You know, you you found Sabbath and black flag and all that so like it's uh it sort of was like um metal and heavy music was in your uh your musical diet sort of like from the get-go yeah yeah and it was only later in in life like uh so so my mom and dad divorced when i was about six um so since then she was a single mother but uh it was only about like when i was in my 20s that i visited him and i found out that he was a a classic metalhead he loved Mm. acdc he loved ozzy osbourne um and kiss i didn't i had no idea you know but it just so happened that we both kind of like the same stuff and and you said that you've been involved in creating music since you were you know like 
13 and whatnot. So like, was, are, were you involved in any other bands and projects, you know, well before this? And if so, like, could you, you know, tell me what they were and like what you did with them and whatnot? I'm yeah, assuming def- there is at least one punk band in there. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> there there um, usually is. Being in New York and, and being a Ramon, huge Ramones fan, how could it not be in a punk band? Um, so, uh, yeah, throughout in college, I started a band called Desvio. It was very heavy, very sludgy. Um, uh, so that was in the 90s after left co- uh, graduated college um, with my friend. Uh, we were doing we, we continued Desvio for a little bit, but then it sort of morphed into uh, the punk band called the Orgasmabots. And uh, we were doing actually we were getting pretty good attention in New York City for a while, um, but our drummers kept exploding. So we couldn't <laughs> we couldn't keep playing. And that was unfortunate. <laughs> We got to play uh, uh, this thing at uh, Arlene's Grocery that they used to do every year. Uh, uh, it, was, it was like, it, it's not a porn convention, but it was something like that. And we fit in perfectly. So they, they showed Debbie Does Dallas on a big screen before we played. Mm-hmm. It was great. Uh, That's very um, cool. I like when people yeah. do shit like that, where they like have a, a band that kind of fits the mold and they do a little performance in conjunction with a movie or whatever. Yeah, it was it was perfect, and um, and that's when we were starting to get get a little more noticed in New York City, and then uh, our drummer exploded, and we couldn't find another one. At the same time, I was doing the Raygun Girls, and the Raygun Girls is more goth industrial, and that one uh, I was doing since like two thousand three, and that I did till like a couple of years ago. I spent a lot of time concentrating on that. Um, so it was first a band and we played live. Uh, we got signed to an indie record label right as the record industry was imploding um, around 2008, 2007. And so was able to put out one album with them and then that disappeared. But in 2009 is when I become a, became a one-man band, the Raygun Girls. And I just started recording because of my heart condition. Um, in 2009, I had a third heart surgery and... Uh, yeah, I was been making music on my own ever since then. That's that's the whole band story. So um, I kind of skipped uh, skipped this question when I was going through them, but um, like you know, during the course of that time, you know, you're exploring different genres of music. You're trying different things out. You're going from full band to um, you know one man uh, wrecking crew, as I called it. Are there any like particular landmark albums for you that kind of made you start thinking about, you know, music differently and, you know, eventually would lead you up to this realm of, of, uh, heavy metal. As far as like from, from other artists. Absolutely. Um, when I heard ministries, uh, the mind is a terrible thing to taste back in 1990, I think it was when I heard thieves, the first single off, I don't know if it was the first single, but when I heard thieves, I was blown away because back then, um, I was listening to uh, Nuclear Assault, Megadeth, um, things like that. But I also really liked, you know, n- the electronics of New Wave, and, and and the Cure and sort of goth type stuff. And then when I heard Ministry with that pummeling sound, that wasn't just metal because it was, uh, you know, they have they had songs like the Cannibal Song, which is sort of meditative. 
it's like you could listen to that and zone out completely. And uh, so that that album blew me away. And that when I heard that, I was like, that is what I need to do. I want to do something that intense all the time. Um, um, using samples here and there. Um, so th that's where the idea for like the Reagan girls came from. The Ramones also, um, I think it's Leave Home, the albums. Uh, the simplicity, uh, the pop sensibilities in the, that music and everything the Ramones do, it, it has to be catchy. It's tight, two to three minute song. That kind of stuff really, really hit home for me. And, and it's something that one of the reasons why I love the Ramones, um, you know what to expect. And, and of course the overall sound just, and then uh, let's see, uh, Killing Joke also. Uh, yeah, the huge fan. Extremities. Yeah, um, I'm a uh, huge Killing Joke fan. I fucking yeah. love that band. When I heard, when I, like, I, I, I got uh, Metallica's Garage Days on LP back then in the early 90s. And I saw that, and there was a song, The Wait, and I was like, who does this? And so I saw it was Killing Joke, and that's when I sort of had their name in my head. And then a friend of mine in, in high school just happened to have the album Extremities and he lent it to me. And I was just amazed at the intensity in that album. It's just so angry. It was, <laughs> yeah. It was and fantastic. Weird. Yeah. I mean, it, it, um, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it, but yeah, it was just, so you had such heaviness in it, but the guitars weren't heavy but the drumming was that like this tribal drumming intensity in it and and i just i've been a fan ever since killing joke i've seen them three three or four times um but uh yeah i think i've seen them like four or five times by this point you know and all doing various like you know they have such like, a deep discography at this yeah. point and like they're you know it's kind of funny too because they're still an active band and like yeah. you know, jazz coleman is quite frankly a fucking nutcase but <laughs> i don't know he, I, I, I don't know. I mean, he just disappeared out into the fucking Sahara Desert for like months. People literally didn't know where he was. Not many people can do that these days. You know, he's no, probably no. disappointed that people found uh, found him so quickly. But I know what you mean. Like listening to that to Killing Joke, I definitely have listened to the uh, the original one before I checked out Metallica's The Garage Days one. But it is cool that they covered them because they are one of those bands that a million other bands love they're like a band's band they just, you know what i think like yeah. a, a good term for it and like yeah extremities is a fucking rad album and i love all the shit that came before it and it's it's pretty crazy how consistently good their uh discography is like over the year you know yeah for for, for me it, what amazes me what, what what i love about it is, is the older they get the angrier they get i mean that album hosanna's from the basements of hell is so insanely angry and, and and it's scary when you hear about the story about how they uh they specifically went to a place that was like called hell a studio that was called hell it was in the basement <laughs> it was horrendous to get there and all that they were tortured basically torturing themselves and you can hear it in every song on that album it's insane and another thing about them i don't want to say no but very few guitar solos but yeah. seemingly super complex guitar work like such a cool style of playing guitar that i feel like not a lot of people if they are trying to ape that sound 
<laughs> I don't know, man. Like, well, it's it's really hard. I mean, first of all, it's 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 the kind of guitar that he plays, the hollow body through and elect through through the distortion pedal and through the echo that he has. Mm-hmm. Um, those things. So he he's specifically playing notes that that clash with each other as it's echoing through, and he, then he goes to the next chord, but it's clashing. So he's specifically doing that. So he's planning ahead when he's writing a song, which is kind of, which is insane. And and um, he's he's he said in a few interviews that uh, well, or uh, jazz is that I remember, but that that Jordy is the only one that can seem to get the crazy sounds out of jazz's head onto guitar into the world. <laughs> just they're just a really crazy band. I mean, I would not want to spend time with them. <laughs> because I, would, I think I'd lose my mind, but they, they make great music. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I remember one of the shows, this fucking guitar tech just kept like running back on stage and Jordy just like completely lost his fucking shit on him at one point. Like you could almost hear him yelling, just like, fuck it, fuck it, fuck it, like over all the fucking racket in there. It was awesome. But yeah, I've seen him a boatload of times and they fucking rule and, uh, more people should listen to this band. <laughs> They're just awesome. Absolutely. So they're a huge influence for me. And 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 uh yeah, even in Titanosaur, they're, they're still a huge influence. I mean, I listen to them constantly every day. In the Reagan Girls, it was always my uh my goal to I guess sound like them in, in my own way. And Titanosaur, I didn't really have a goal of that kind. But it's funny, the longer I've been in this genre, I didn't realize that I was considered doom until the label the swamp records label that i joined started calling me doom mm-hmm. and everybody's been calling me doom i didn't realize i was doom <laughs> i mean i don't really know what makes me doom maybe you can tell me i don't know uh, the slow riffs the sort of the, the chuggy punkiness of it you know that sort of thing it's uh there's a lot of reverb second about fucking space and esoteric weird nonsense all right. I mean, I, I don't know. Like to me, if it's doomed, then it should be more very negative. I, I think I try to have like sort of a positive bent in most of the songs. So that's well, why it, I have. I would say it's got more of like that, uh, that sort of desert rock groove. And I think you can inject a bit more of a positive sort of uh, feeling into that, a more positive vibe, man, uh, into that sort of outlet of, of the, the subgenre. It, it all kind of just coalesces into the same thing, you know, it's sort of like to the point where like, you know, do these words have meaning anymore? And I, I'm, I'm being kind of facetious as I'm saying that people get really bogged down with uh, labels and yeah, what to call yeah. stuff. And, you know, when I listen to your, I feel like you can tell that you are a Ramones fan, you know, you're a Killing Joke fan, you're a Ministry fan. I even felt like kind of like the weird and I, we can kind of get more into it um, unless you have more pivotal albums you want to discuss. But I even felt like, you know, there because of the sort of like absurdity and the the sort of weird humor aspect of it, you know, it gives me like total Devin Townsend vibes, you know, like it's just sort of like it's so weird and it can only kind of work in this capacity. It doesn't really work in another medium, if you will. Yeah, yeah. Well, th- that's that's also that's why I started Titanosaur. Because the Reagan girls, the Reagan girls was uh, so dark and serious, and and I have that side because I listen to all different types of music that I just want to let loose, and so that was one of the ideas with starting Titanosaur that I would have this outlet for 
silly stuff like on the first album there's a lot of silly stuff on that first album yeah it's but, almost like a really heavy pop punk album <laughs> yeah you know like punk rock dad uh um, the very last song uh which i don't even remember the name of it but uh you know there are a few songs on there that are really just silly just getting shits and giggles out kind of stuff and, and i'm I don't want to stray too, uh, away from that either in, in the future songs I'm writing, but it just seems like the heavier the music gets for me, the the easier it is to write darker lyrics. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I have a song in my head that I've been sort of workshopping in my head for the past two years of, about being a fly killer. So that might happen eventually. <laughs> a fly um, killer? <laughs> but as far as pivotal albums and towards the the kind of music i feel i'm making now i'm high on fire uh a friend of mine introduced me to them um and uh the album death is the this communion oh yeah it's my favorite one by them yeah especially the like like the um rumors of war that song i've i've had on repeat a few times uh again i guess it's the intense when i hear a song that's really intense and angry it just grabs onto me and to me, that that has songs have to be intense, angry, and have a nice groove to them. One that makes me want to move. So, um, "Rumors of War" for me is is that song. Uh, even on the EP, um, one of my songs on there, um, "Take the Sanity," is really fashioned after "Rumors of War." The way he sings, the way the drumming is just so intense. I mean, all of that for me it, it was a huge, like eye-opening thing. Like this, yes, this is. This is the heavy that I want to be making. Yeah, I mean, that record, like, kind of, it's everything I love about that band. Uh, there's just, there's a number of things that they do on that that really kind of brings it all together. I mean, number one, uh, just the album artwork is fucking amazing. And, mm-hmm. you know, Eric Roper, of course. It's just, like, I've never seen something that fucking grisly and ugly up until that point. <laughs> and then... For a band that does do a lot of like sort of longer style songs, I mean, I love Death Is This Communion. It's one of my like top songs by them. It's fucking rad. It's spooky. It's feels like it's got like, you know, sections and whatnot. But this album has two instrumentals, which is like kind of strange for them. It's like I haven't seen High and Fire do that for a long time. And then, you know, fucking Rumors of War is just like such a banger. It's so short and compact and tight and it hits all the right things. It's got the fucking hardcore fucking drums. It's got blast beats. It got fucking heavy as fuck rips. It's sludgy. It's gross. And then it has the most insane guitar solo of all fucking time. That's just like, that's not even a guitar. That's someone murdering an elephant. Yeah, I, I yeah that that's definitely my favorite record by them. I fucking love that one. It's a it's definitely top tier for me. Yeah, that that's one thing I regret about how I how I play is that I I am nowhere near. I don't think I'm nowhere near a a proficient guitar soloist. Um, uh, so th- I find that to be a problem for me because I want every once in a while some songs some really fast blazing guitar solo. And I can't even come close to anything near that. Um, and, um, and it's sometimes hard to find people who, who are open to just slapping a guitar solo on a, a finished song kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one of the things that that I I I wish for 
is to suddenly have the proficiency without having to practice 24 hours a day. <laughs> well, anyway, yeah, I mean, since we're talking about it now so much, may as well talk about your band. So, like, it's kind of a bit Titanosaur, I, you know, uh, and I always appreciate a bit. So, like, where did you come up with this idea to kind of have, like, your persona be a dinosaur person? <laughs> So it's 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 evolved, but uh, yeah. So um, ah, it's evolved. Life finds a way. <laughs> yes. So with the, I wanted to do uh, get away from the Reagan girls, the dark goth stuff. I wanted to do something more rock, but for me to have fun doing it, I wanted to make something that was pounding, crunching, uh, big, stomping. So I wrote all those things down, and started brainstorming ideas, and um, I just happened to. I've seen a uh, documentary on the Titanosaur uh, a week before I started deciding on band names. And um, then it was like, oh, wait, that's perfect in many different ways. It's a big giant, the biggest dinosaur. Um, so it's really big, thunderous, stomping. Uh, and I'm also 6'10". So <laughs> you know, I'm usually the biggest person in the room. So so I started to, to, to think about how to be free expressing myself on the internet because everything's visual now. Right. Um, and so I started thinking about a mask idea. And uh, the thing about the Titanosaur is that it looks like a brontosaurus. And that's not very intimidating. No. So um, so ended up with a T-Rex mask. Um, but uh, yeah, that's what it is. It's just to be able to have a, 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 an identity to play off of since I'm mm -hmm. a one-man band. Um, and so it gives me some characters to, to use for videos, uh, for the music videos and all of that stuff. But uh, with this with this album, there are a few songs on there about conspiracies throughout interviews and throughout talking to people who have listened to the album and read the lyrics and all that stuff. It's like it's become, well, actually, the lizard people are taking over the world kind of thing or already rule the mm -hmm. world, something like that. Um, I don't really know that conspiracy very well, but uh, so it, it fits in perfectly with that idea. And those things are in vogue right now. <laughs> um well like and another thing that's like it kind of weird that you've done it is that uh you know it's like dinosaurs do seem to be kind of in vogue right now in metal it's like there's this little little like kind of subsector and like of like these death metal bands who are seemingly saurian themed there's actually one from italy called uh Thecodontion that fucking <laughs> rules really fucking awesome like very sludgy old school death metal band uh, really really dug them and they're like i mean i don't know what their deal is but i read an interview with them and they are dinosaur nerds <laughs> well uh, that was one of the problems when, when i started going through the stomping thing and all that and thinking names um it was uh, okay it has to be a dinosaur and then i looked around looked up to make sure i wasn't taking somebody else's name and there were so many bands with dinosaur names with the mm -hmm. cool dinosaur names there was already a t-rex there was already a stegosaur there was a triceratops um <laughs> there's a few others i don't remember all of them but uh so yeah uh, it was hard to come up with titanosaur but i'm glad nobody took it because it's a perfect name it is it's a it's a good name i i dig it um there's actually there's a godzilla monster named titanosaur so yeah i mean you kind of like I think you I think you nailed it in that regard. You definitely are uh, illustrating the the slow plotting heaviness pretty well. You know, you do have a, a lot of songs that are under the five minute run. So like, 
you know, are you a stoner metal band? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, like uh, I think the the sludgiest song I've had so far is is on the EP, the sludgiest ones, Super Colossal Spanish Queen and Someone Will Come. Those are around the six minute mark. Um, <laughs> uh, but uh, I, I don't know. I, sometimes I try, but I get bored. Right. Yeah. And, and you, being, like keep, you like to switch it up. And being a one man band, it's, I really got to keep myself excited because I'm playing all the instruments. I, I would love to play with other people um, because that, that changes the groove completely. And, you know, <clears throat> I could go on, go on one chord for hours if I'm playing with somebody else, I could definitely zone out on something. But when I'm on my own, it's sort of like, all right, what next <laughs> kind of thing. So, I mean, like, you know, besides the obvious, like, you know, like what are their challenges are there to doing the, the one man, the one man band project. And then on the flip side of that, you know, what do you really like about it? I was assuming it's just like, you don't have to like kind of, you're you're your own critic in that regard right like kind of you have to give your you're the one that has to give the final say on everything and be like if it's good it's good but you know you got to make you you're sort of like a creator editor at the same time you know you can't really bounce it off somebody else yeah uh i'm i definitely it's it's easier to write songs um because it's faster like i don't have to uh write a song and then teach it to other members and then uh, get their input and all that stuff. So on that side of that, but it's also harder because I don't have other band members to get their input um, and to add their flavor to it. Mm -hmm. um, so like uh, with the Raygun Girls and with a few of the other bands before that, that I was in, I had my friend uh, George playing bass and he's an amazing songwriter himself. And we, we worked off each other really well. So I really enjoyed that kind of uh, back and forth. Um, and he would always come up with great ideas where to cut a certain part or which way that should the chords be going down or up or, and they would change the song completely and make it a lot better. So luckily I still have him to bounce stuff off of, but it's not as immediate. And it's one of those things where I got to pick and choose kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, so, um, and yeah, uh, the, the thing about, not being able to play live is also what sort of limits me uh, as far as being a one-man band because most musicians, if I were looking to put a band together, most musicians are looking to play live and be able to move forward with that mm -hmm. as I would be if I could. Uh, so it's, it's not possible to put something together like that to have regular a regular band kind of thing. Um, but uh, yeah, it's a lot of work being a one-man band. The writing, producing, mixing, marketing, art design, I'm doing it all, the videos. Mm -hmm. um, so got to sort of time everything out right so I'm not overdoing it on something. So it, yeah, it's 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 hard work if you actually want to try to get somewhere with it. I mean, obviously, if I didn't want to try to get somewhere with it, then yeah, I could take like three months in between releasing singles but I'm actually trying to get my name out there, trying to get people to listen. So mm -hmm. I got to have something every, at least every month, um, if not sooner than that. So it's a lot of work, it's a lot of work to do it on your own. But in like in the time that you did the first album and now like what's changed, you talked about getting on Swamp Records and, you know, I, I think that you're 
group playing and song structure, so, you know, songwriting had definitely uh, evolved from the the first one to the most recent one. Oh yeah, I, I would, I think so. I would hope so. Um, so the the first album was just explosion of ideas. The second album was actually me. Uh, it was a reaction to my mother dying. So that's a pretty depressing album, which is why I don't really play anything off of that album when I do sort of live streams. Not only that, but I have no idea how I played those songs. It's one of those things that a lot of musicians talk about. They're like, you know, it just came out of nowhere. I have no idea how it happened. Some of those songs are really complicated for me. I have no idea what, what I did. Messages, I was using that out. My thought behind the Messages album was to get signed to a label. And at the level that I was at, I knew it would be a small kind of thing, not shooting for the moon. Messages got me attention. I was in in finding my groove, and I think um, there are a few songs on messages that that are pointing towards where I'm heading. And then the EP was uh, what was going to come out. I wanted something to come out once I signed to the Swamp Records, so that people would know that I'm there, kind of thing. So I put the EP out, and that's really where I think I found my sound for Titanosaur. It's 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 heavy. It's big and and it's got the 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 i never know how to say it right the latin american influence with it uh there's some there's percussion and the name of the ep inti wanyu really hearkening back to my my roots so th that's that really cemented for me what i want to do with the band and then this album was taking that a little further and sort of taking those songs and those ideas and and I don't know, constructing something that I felt was was more cohesive. Yeah, and then newer stuff that I'm writing right now. Again, I'm, I'm feeling like I have no no boundaries. Like with the Reagan Girls, I put myself in a box. And even though uh, I'm saying that I found a sound, I don't feel like I'm putting myself in a box with Titanosaur. So I'm, I'm really happy where where I'm headed with uh, with with the direction right now. And another thing is, you know, you, like you said, you, you know, you kind of, you take a lot from your own personal life. And I mean, I'm not that, that other musicians don't, they certainly, they certainly do, but you definitely are very forward about like, you know, your personal life and then kind of injecting that into it, whether it's your family lineage, you, and then you also three open heart surgeries. And um, then you were diagnosed as autistic a few years ago, although you said that you thought you had, you know, kind of suspected a about that before getting a professional diagnosis. So like, you know, both, or I guess rather like all four of those experiences obviously had to impact you. So like, what was it like to process all that and to kind of translate it into music? The hard stuff that I deal with, it's, uh, it's usually at the top of my mind because that's the most immediate thing that I deal with uh, on a daily basis. And, and yeah, uh, most of the lyrics are pretty much I write lyrics talking to myself kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> um, Andrew W.K. said that. I remember seeing an interview with him, and he said the same thing. He, he writes the lyrics uh, for himself. When he's feeling down, he can look at his own lyrics or hear his own song and, and be able to bring himself out. Um, so, yeah, most of the lyrics are pointed at me to not get too deep into into a dark black hole. But uh, I think both... Uh, Depression comes from both uh, autism and heart issues. Um, so 
I deal with that a lot in in the lyrics in the songs. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know what it's like to be really far down. I know what it's like to get back up. Um, so I like to deal with that a lot, just to show that there is a way out. The music is definitely a way of me processing. Specifically, I've I've always done it. Didn't know that I was doing it, but I always did it. Um, music is my way of uh, avoiding avoiding uh, violent meltdowns. That's what I deal with uh, from being autistic. So being able to scream and crunch really loudly helps to uh, dissuade the tension that that builds up inside. It's like a cyclotron kind of thing. It just builds and builds and builds. So, yeah, I don't remember what the question was. (laughs) Something in there. No, I think you definitely answered it. And I mean, you know, it's cool. Like, it's cool that you're talking about it. And it's just sort of like helping to just normalize it, you know? Yeah, well, that's, that's what, what, what I'm, that's what I'm about, man. Um, (laughs) Dig it. (laughs) Um, No, like, um, with, with, in, in, I have Marfan syndrome, that's what affects my heart. And in the Marfan community, you have mostly actors uh, who who are some famous actors in the community, so everybody can look up to them. But mm-hmm. as far as musicians go, um, the only other heavy metal-ish uh, musician that's well-known is Austin from formerly of Mice and Men, and he's kind of problematic. So... Oh, I like. <laughs> I've never listened to that band, so but uh, um, I, I I liked the stuff with him singing on it, but he himself is problematic. Uh, he's had issues with um, underage girls, and uh, uh, well, okay, so that's fine. So, <laughs> uh, so anyway, so in the Marfan, so I try to put myself out there in the Marfan community as, look, I'm making heavy metal. Your kids like it. This is what can happen, you know, kind of thing. Because people with Marfan, uh, kids with Marfan can't do sports because it's dangerous. Um, so a lot of parents and a lot of kids are like, well, what do I do? I mean, for me, it didn't matter. I wasn't really into sports. I was always into music anyway. Um, but there are a lot of kids there who, in the community who, who are into sports and then all of a sudden they can't play anymore. Um, so anyway, so so I like to be out there as, as a positive influence kind of thing for that and then for the autistic community it's it's really about being out and not necessarily for the autistic community but for uh non-autistic people to see that hey you know this is what an autistic person looks like so uh that's why i'm really open about all this stuff for the world it's good to be actually you you mentioned uh, your condition, and there's another uh, musician that I know of actually who has uh, Marfan syndrome. Their name is Bradford Cox. They're in the band Deer Hunter. Really fucking cool band. Yes, um, actually, right. Yeah, I had heard about yeah Deer Hunter. Yeah, they're a, that's a very cool band. Uh, would uh, would strongly recommend uh, you everybody checking them out. They were kind of like one of those earlier indie rock bands that clicked with me pretty well in college. I haven't kept up with them too much these days, but I do like them a lot. There's uh there's one album in particular that I thought was really fucking good. What was it? Uh Halcyon Digest. That's the one. That's a really good album. Uh well now that you have the new one out, Absence of Universe, you know, uh, are you working on anything else with the project and are you trying to be more adventurous and try out new things? Yes, sir. 
Well, um, I had a uh, song on a benefit that just happened this past weekend, an unreleased song. The benefit was for the National uh, Foundation for Transplants, um, and they were giving away unreleased music for a donation. So there was that. And that song I'm probably going to release somewhere around uh, September, maybe. Um, it's called The Eater of Death. Oh, it's such a good song. Can't wait to get that out there. It's and it's a title. perfect perfect t-shirt, too. Yeah, uh, that I've got designed for it. Um, so there's that. I'm also uh, doing a uh, Danzig cover for for another uh, for a cover album that's coming out. I don't know when it's coming out, but uh, there's that. Yeah, I'm, I've got a lot of stuff coming up. Uh, an, another song, another new song coming out for a Ukraine benefit uh, with Swamp Record bands, and then talking something most likely going to come out in October. Um, working with another band with something we haven't announced it yet, so I'm not sure I'm able to say anything more than that. So yeah, a lot of stuff coming, and uh, I'm hoping I can do it all. <laughs> um, again, I'm not keeping myself in a box, so I'm really excited about the the music. Like mm-hmm. at one point, I would have like maybe two years ago, I would have said that this song "Eater of Death" is not a Titanosaur song um, because it's way too punk. But as I've put my music out there under the name of Titanosaur, some of the stuff that I get back is that, wow, this sounds very New York. I'm hearing a lot of punk in there. And so I've been gotten very comfortable with that and said, well, yeah, that's that's who I am. So why not? So it's it's a, it's another song where I have no idea how I wrote the riff to it, but I can figure it out. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a damn good song. I'm, I'm really... I love it when I when I write a song and I just can't stop thinking about it and and it's just amazing. Um, I, I toot my own horn a lot. Uh, as a one man band, that's I don't have anybody else to toot my horn. Yeah, here. exactly. <laughs> you have to <laughs> uh, recognize, so, man. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, there's no problem in saying that you are good. Uh, yeah. So there's a lot of stuff coming, uh, and I am excited about uh, the directions going. Um, I also started writing uh, another thing just the other day that was, uh, I don't remember if it was influenced by Black Sabbath song. No, by Slayer, Seasons in the Abyss. Uh, it's a really good song too. <laughs> it's another good one. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about the new music I'm writing is what I'm trying to say, I guess. <laughs> nice. Uh, I'll have to keep an eye out for that dancing cover because uh, I'll I love my New Jersey boy dancing. <laughs> He's so silly. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, th- that was another th- that album too, Lucifuge. When I heard that, um, my friend had already heard uh, the first album, but I hadn't. And when, so when I heard Lucifuge, it's like that's some heavy blues. That's good stuff. I really like that album when it came out. <laughs> I do enjoy cool. the early Danzig albums. They are ridiculous, but they are very, very entertaining. Uh, I've I've tried a number of times to put to uh, words how exactly he thinks the word wolf is spelled. It seems to be <laughs> W-A-A-A-O-O-O-A-W-L-L-F-V or something like that. <laughs> Is it his his speaking voice too? Is is so amazing? Oh, it's great. We were just making fun of him earlier. My girlfriend and I just like him being like, 
How come you never want my skull? <laughs> that's not really what he sounds like, but <laughs> in my yeah. head, that's what he sounds like. And he's so serious all the time. Oh, oh he's God. so serious. It's like, dude, come on. Like, <laughs> look at you. Look what band you were in, bro. Exactly. Like, I, lo- I love the Misfits, man. And I like his solo stuff, but it's just like, come on. Like, <laughs> you can take it seriously without taking it that seriously. Like, like, uh, uh, um, no, not Jerry only, but the, the other, the other Misfits guy. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Wolfgang, he, he seems Doyle. to have a good yeah Doyle. He he seems to have a good uh, a good sense of humor about the whole thing. He has to wear those weird je- uh, jeggings that he wears. <laughs> Favorite dinosaur movie. Favorite dinosaur movie. I don't know. Is Godzilla considered a dinosaur since he's a mutated lizard? Yeah, sure. Uh, I, I love the old Godzilla movies. Uh, yeah, that's what too. I grew up with on channel uh, in New York on channel eleven WPIX. Sunday afternoons, watch all the Godzilla movies. I don't know any dinosaurs. I mean, Jurassic Park was okay. <laughs> it's okay. This <laughs> is okay. I don't know, but yeah, I, I guess Godzilla. Godzilla versus uh, the, the 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 scariest one was Godzilla versus the Smog Monster. That was like the most disgusting one. Oh yeah, that one rules, man. I love that one. We just watched that one not too long ago. That movie is great. Godzilla flies in it. Doesn't make any sense. <laughs> uh, the evil monsters made out of pollution looks yeah. like a big fucking heaping pile of sludge. And uh, it just glide, glides over people, and then there's just they disintegrate. Left. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Like it's got fucking psychedelic rock music in it. It's awesome. Yeah. It's like a such a great movie. The monster, but smog monster smokes a bong. Well, not really. It's like a factory smoke tower, but you know, <laughs> same difference. Ah, oh, the seventies. <laughs> uh uh well have you been listening to anything else lately that uh you've been really digging oh the new mastodon album oh my god double I, I, yeah the the hushed and grim is amazing that thing is that thing is insane but no i i have so much music that it's i rarely listen to new stuff i mean i listen to some of the bands that uh that i'm friends with online like uh Gorilla Wizard, um, I'm really, mm-hmm. I really dig them a lot. But uh, yeah, I have so much, so much music that I'm, I just always have that on 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 shuffle, and I could go for like weeks without hearing the same song twice. What did I listen to recently? I don't know. I listened to the band Satan, and it was their album Court in the Act, 1983's Court in the Act, fucking rad album. Highly recommend it. <laughs> And a whole lot of Earthless. Earthless. That band rules. Sounds familiar. They are a they have power trio from California. They do mostly instrumental stuff. Fucking awesome band. Like cornerstone of the genre. Highly recommend you check them out if you haven't checked them out. Hmm. You just have uh, to have some time for it. <laughs> recently, the the I usually don't listen to a lot of uh, instrumental stuff, but... Uh, one of the bands that I found in, in this genre, and I think they're on the Swamp Records. There's so many bands on the Swamp Records label, it's hard to keep track. Uh, Dos Brujos, um, they're really good. I'm really liking their stuff too. I haven't checked them out yet, but they were plugged by another band that was on here uh, a while back. So that's not the first time that their name has popped up here. Mm. So I'll have to, I'll have to make a mental note and check them out. But yeah, definitely uh, check out Earthless, and uh, there might be something coming up next month on Diary of Doom that involves 
Earthless. So stay tuned out there, loyal listeners. I hope they're still loyal. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, is there anything else that you'd like to plug or promote at this time? Jeez, Louise. Well, um, I have an album, Absence of Universe, which just came out in February. So that one's out there. It's, It's fantabulous. In a world where dinosaurs float in space, you have Absence of Universe. It's a world I want to live in. <laughs> you know, why not? Uh, oh, what's that movie? Nazis on the Moon. <laughs> oh, <know>. yeah. <laughs> the Nazis on the Moon movie. <laughs> and they have Iron a T Sky. <laughs> Iron Sky. <laughs> yeah, Iron Sky. And they had a T Rex that, Al- that uh, Hitler rides. Um, anyway, <laughs> totally off topic there. I've got CDs and all that available and, and beautiful shirts. So yeah, just a fine Titanosaur, Titanosaur rocks on all the socials and the, on Bandcamp, titanosaur1.bandcamp.com because apparently somebody else had taken Titanosaur when I tried to get on Bandcamp. Did they put anything up? No. So I'm stuck with Titanosaur 1. <laughs> It'd be funny if you wanted to go with two and you're like, I couldn't take two because someone took two. So I had to go with one. <laughs> well, yeah, I was going to go like all my socials are Titanosaur Rocks. So I was going to go with Titanosaur Rocks, but that's just so long. Titanosaurrocks.bandcamp.com. It's like a play on Tyrannosaurus Rex, like Titanosaur Rocks. Ah, I never thought of that. True. I'll let you have that one. I'll, uh, I'll try to remember that. <laughs> Uh, well, awesome, man. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Really appreciate it. Go check out Titanosaur, where Jeff just said that you can go do so and check out his videos. He looks fucking rad in his dinosaur mask. You're up, you're up in the Hudson Valley. That's a hopping place for this uh, kind of music. Tons of bands up there. Oh, yeah? I don't know. I, I, I just know Mama Doom from, from sort of around here. Oh, yeah. There's been a bunch of bands that have been on Dire Doom that are from the Hudson Valley. Sun Voyager, my buddy Earl from Shadow Witch. Um, Sun Voyager, I think I've heard of them. Yeah, they're awesome. Yeah, Witch Kiss. And, oh, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I saw Witch Kiss. I saw Witch Kiss play with Mama Doom uh, a couple months ago. Yeah, and uh, they have uh, the people in Witch Kiss have another band going on called Guts. Um, it's, I think like Andy Patterson from so formerly of Sub Rosa just signed on to do drums and somebody well, else. Know, so, well, I mean, uh, upstate New York is a perfect place to, to, to foment this type of music. I mean, you got the mud, you got the mud season we're about to enter, which is right between winter and spring. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you've got winter, which is cold and desolate and it's perfect for making this kind of music. So yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if there are a lot of bands in this area. And, and the other thing that I found, which I, I was amazed by, that I just that uh, it's like this this genre of doom stoner metal is really just a combo of hardcore and metal and punk together. Well, as I always say, it's just punk rock played really slow. Yeah. So it was it was, it was, it was like amazed when I realized that. I was like, this is this is just. This is like a little slower. It's like grunge, but a little slower sometimes. Yeah. There's something in there for everybody. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Well, awesome, man. Thank you for coming on. Um, And, you know, stay safe out there and whatnot. We live in strange times. So, (laughs) you know, eyes to the sky and whatnot. 
Yes, sir. No, uh, no dinosaurs falling from the sky. Keep an eye out for that. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you. That'll do it for this chapter of the diary.
I heard the can. Oh, you just heard the can? <laughs> uh, I heard you talking about and them and then uh, lost you.